0: yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, zoom around though. <laughs> Thanks, I'm a sucker for acoustic. I love it, thank you. Let's turn to God's word today, first Sam, as we continue our studies. Uh, uh, the music today is just great. I hope the themes that were in there just connect because it's in my notes. So I hope the Lord helps connect that all together. Thank you. Uh, the Lord's so good about putting things together. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'll be, begin reading at verse 1 uh, through verse 13. But just before we do that, because I'm all excited, I need to pray, get settled down. Lord God, you're so good and your word is for us today, even though it was written and record stuff that happened thousands of years ago, yet it's so relevant. So Spirit of God, make the connection with us today for what we need, for what I need, for what each of us needs, for what we need to hear as a congregation as we think about your greatness, your goodness, your grace, your faithfulness to us as we think about what you call us to, to be holy like you are. And Lord, we can't. And yet you ask us to and you give us strength to. And Lord, we can trust your promises. So help us to see what we need to see today for us. Together we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Beginning at verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 7. So the men of Cariath jearim came and took up the ark of the Lord, and they took it to Abinadad's house on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. It was a long time, 20 years in all, that the ark remained at cariath Jerum, and all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bales and asterisks and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed. We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered the loud thund- and, and with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to the point of Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israelite territory again. 3,000 years ago, God worked. And he had that story recorded for us so that we would remember that this God, the God we worship and serve, he hasn't changed. And he's still at work in this world. He's real. He's near. And he's strong. And he cares about everything he's created, but he especially cares about his people. The ones who humble themselves and and cry out to Him and admit their need. He is so pleased to raise them up and to deliver them when they do that. The Hebrew people had so many advantages, the Philistines had the ark for seven months. And God showed them his power. I mean, they'd heard about it, about what he did to the Egyptians, and then they got to see and experience that power, God's holiness firsthand in all their cities when he, when he kind of put plagues in them, kind of. Yeah, he did. He plagued them, and, and they were a mess, and they, they recognized that they needed to worship God, but they pushed them away. And then the Israelites, with all their advantages, pushed God away again and again. They chased after false gods. They rejected God's peace as shalom, you know, peace in the inner life, peace in the outer life. They just pushed it away. They chased after temporary things. And God disciplined his children. Do you remember the tri- uh, a phrase that G. Campbell Morgan said? The triumph of a person is when God triumphs over them. And that's what God was doing here. He was triumphing over his people who continually turned their backs on him. It's kind of like in the shoe fit. If the shoe fits department, put it on. And yeah, it fits us, doesn't it? We're unfaithful, and yet God's so faithful. He keeps chasing after us, He disciplines us, He puts our life in turmoil, He puts nations in turmoil to wake us up. 1 Samuel chapter 7, there's this wonderful verse in verse 3. It's kind of the key verse of this story, this, this part of the narrative. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you. I can't help but connect it with there's a million passages. But Isaiah chapter 55, listen, same invitation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. And a little bit later it goes on. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into songs before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of the briars, the myrtles will grow. This will be to the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign, which will not be destroyed. When we believe in God, he promises When we turn to him, humbly he promises that his righteousness will begin to transform us and that he will transform the whole world. He will use his people to bring love and justice, maybe in just little bite-sized pieces, but it will happen when we believe and follow him. There was a man who was in church and went on his way home He was fussing. You know what fussing is? Babies are fussy, right? He was fussing about how long the sermon was. He was fussing about the traffic on the way home. He was fussing about how hot it was. He was fussing about how late lunch was. And then they bowed together. His family did at the table, and he prayed. And he thanked God for the food, and he thanked God for all that had happened and gone on that day. And as they started to pass around the food, his son said, hey, dad, did God hear you when you were fussing about the sermon and the the heat and the slow traffic and and how late lunch was? And he said, yeah, God heard me. And Dad, daddy, did God hear you when you just prayed and thanked him for everything that had gone on today? And and his dad said, yeah, God, uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he heard me and his son just looked at him and said and, and which did he believe <laughs> behavior you see really reveals what we're believing <laughs> i'm guilty of fussing not trusting god building on the rock this day but then building on sand the next If you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of all the foreign gods and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. I want to hang a few more thoughts on that today as we come into God's holy presence. What do we do? How can we, these unholy people, hope to surrender our whole lives to God? Who can stand in this holy God's presence and live? They asked that question last week when they opened up the ark and 70 men died. They got wanted to get rid of God, the Israelites did. Well, let's see. Surrender and serve the Lord. Humble yourselves before him. In verses 1 and 2 of 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, we read, and it was a long time in verse 2, it was a long time, 20 years in all. I want you to say that phrase with me. Is that up on the board Maybe, maybe you have it there, it's, I'm reading from the NIV. It was a long time, 20 years and all. Let's say that together. It was a long time, 20 years and all. I want you to read it again. This is just to make sure you're awake. <laughs> it was 20 years. It was a long time, excuse me, 20 years and all. Half of a generation. Anybody here born in 1999? you are going to be 20 years old this year, right? Wow, moms and dads, think about that. They were just little kids, and now they're off to college. You remember Ichabod? He was born 20 years ago if he was still alive at this time. He was orphaned that day when his dad was killed carrying the ark. Phineas and his mom died in childbirth. If he was still alive, he would have gone through the youth group at the Shiloh Tabernacle, middle school, high school. He would have been off to college. Boy, it was a long time. 20 years in all, God's patient grace at work. The defeat, the ark was taken. It was tucked away. uh, And the people were just now, 20 years later, beginning to respond to Samuel's shepherding ministry. God's hand of discipline was on the Philistines. But they were still harassing. There was still fear. They were still, their children could be taken as enslavement. They they could come and steal the harvest. Why was God doing that? Well, God's perfect time and God's perfect plan. But you know what? It just shows me how hard my heart is, how deeply sin is rooted in our lives, how long it takes us to wake up and see what God wants to do. What God is doing. Never weary of telling God's word. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. As the snow and the rain come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, so is my word that goes out and for, goes out forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. So here was Samuel after 20 years of ministry. And people were just beginning to get it. So Grace Chapel people, congregation friends here today, do not weary of believing God's word and telling God's word because sin is rooted deeply and it takes a long time. Even though God could just overpower us in a minute, he decides to work graciously. He teaches us lessons. He's wise and good. You're familiar with Second Chronicles chapter 7, these promises, when I shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, I know that's... Talking about Israel who had territory. The body of Christ doesn't have a specific territory, but really we have the world. It's our world because Christ has given it to us to go and make disciples of all nations. So we can go in confidence. But I love that if we humble ourselves, and you know, that's the same message we looked at last week in the in the letter that James wrote, because he says, weep and wail and wring our hands, and if we humble ourselves before the Lord, what will he do? He will lift us up. So that's where we're at here. Humble yourselves. Do you want to see God work? Do you want him to change us so that we surrender to him fully? Then humble yourself. I hear the Holy Spirit whispering in my voice, in in my heart. His voice whispering in my heart. And how long have you been a believer? And you're still wrestling with those attitudes? Oh, Matt, surrender. Humble yourself. Let me change you. If you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, they had to return because they turned away. Instead of blessing, they were getting turmoil. Surrender and serve the Lord, return to him. Verses three through seven. Let's take a quick look at them again in 1 Samuel. And Samuel said to the whole house, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and asterisks. Rid. Repentance is turning away. So if you're going to repent, you have to turn away from wickedness and turn toward God. You have to let go of something and take on something new. changes what, how we think if we turn to the Lord. It changes what we, how we say what we're thinking. It changes what we do. And repentance is a work of God. Don't forget that in Samuel. Sometimes when you read this verse, like chapter 7, verse 3, if you want to return to the Lord, rid yourselves of things we have to do. But you understand, never forget it, that it's God's grace, God's voice, God's spirit, working in our minds and our hearts that begins to turn us and soften our hearts. It's a work of God. It's the Holy Spirit who regenerates, that enlightens, that gives us new life why it's called being born again. It's a work of God. It's God the spirit that enables a person to obey, to hear and accept the word, to begin to let it change us because it takes a while for it to work into us. So we need to be constantly reading it and thinking about it and talking about it with one another. And he gives us the power to pursue God. So if Israel was pursuing God now, their hearts were broken, it was because the word of God was being spoken and God was working in their hearts so they were beginning to move along with Samuel toward the Lord. If you're returning to the Lord, rid yourselves of the idols. Baal and Ashtoreth. They were good luck charms. Baal was a god of the storm and the rains. You need that to grow crops. Asherah poles we know were fertility rites. They were sexually oriented. So it was like fertility and harvest and all that stuff. And all kinds of crazy things happened between the Canaanites and the Philistines to worship their god. There was temple prostitution. There were child sacrifices. All done to receive a bountiful harvest for economic prosperity. And the Israelites got pulled into it. Yeah, Yahweh was their God. But just in case, we'll have these other gods to help us out if Yahweh doesn't come through. So they began to worship other gods. What draws your attention away from God, the true God? What, have we, what do we serve that we've fashioned with our own hands? Could it be a business plan? A retirement plan? A church growth plan? That we shape with our own hands that becomes our idol? Is it our schemes? Is it our abilities? Is it our, is it our experience and wisdom that God's graciously given us that we begin to depend on because we've been here before and done that and we forget God? like a new day, a new issue. Oh, I've dealt with this before, but I need to come before God and trust in him and his counsel. We just need to make clean breaks. I love the story in Acts chapter 19. It was the believers in Ephesus. They had uh, come to believe. Paul had been there, and the church was growing, and... These uh, Jewish men tried to cast out demons in Jesus' name, even though they didn't know them, and then the demons overpowered them, and like everybody in town knew about this, and it says it was great fear. And it was that event that stirred believers, Christians, to come clean. And it says they came clean, Acts chapter 19, confessed their sins, and they turned over all their witchcraft books and their and their spells and all the the things that they were depending on, their good luck charms just to help them, and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff they gave over. They were putting off, getting rid of, and putting on the things of Christ and God. I had a friend. He was talking to a bunch of us guys after the church service, and he said he was looking forward to going home after the church service and relaxing and looking at his dirty magazines. Of course, when he said that, it got all of our attention. But it wasn't those kind of dirty magazines. What it was, this was before the internet, okay, (laughs) so it dates it. Early 90s, okay, (laughs) bi-weekly or bi-monthly publications that most guy stuff in them, you know, used cars for sale, muscle cars, four-wheel drive vehicles, pickup trucks, motorcycles, four-wheelers, stuff like that, and tractors. See, Bruce had a small farm, and he had this great little tractor that he used to do what he needed to do, but he would look at that, and, you know, there's always a, boy, that would be cool. See, Bruce understood that that dirty magazine was just that it made him covet, that it made him become dissatisfied with what God had graciously and wonderfully provided that he had all he needed, but he was looking somewhere else. So action number one is to get rid of our idols. I don't know what your idols are, the things that would distract you from God. But take time to think about it and ask God to reveal to you what you might be distracting you or you're trusting in and not laying out before him. Secondly, commit yourselves to the Lord. And it was a corporate coming together. Look at verses five and six. Then Samuel said, assemble all of Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Quick note, we don't know what that is, except that it's almost like this is the only place where it's mentioned pouring out water, but it's almost like they were pouring out water to represent we're giving our whole selves to you. Our whole life, our whole person, we're just giving out to you. And there was prayerful intercession. Samuel was praying for them. I will intercede for the Lord for you. I'm gonna pray for you as we come together. There was fasting, which means their physical bodies were just joining in with they were mourning before the Lord. They were sorry, so they were their souls were feeling empty and sad. So they fasted so that their bodies would experience that too. So it was a whole person experience. It wasn't a time to be eating comfort food. It was a time to be uncomfortable before the Lord. And then it says they confessed their sins in verse 7. And it doesn't say anything specific. Excuse me, in verse, in verse 6, it doesn't say specifically, but we can imagine that they confessed their many sins. Like James says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful Excuse me, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. There's a lot of parallels in Samuel and and James's letter, by the way. Turmoil, oppression, sadness, sickness, feeling down, coming together before the Lord, leadership praying over you, and being healed. Rid yourselves of idols. Come together corporately and individually and confess your sins and fast and be serious before the Lord. And then thirdly, serve him only. Look at verse seven. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, so the Israelites came together for a spiritual retreat and the Philistines figured it was a political rebellion. So they were going to do something about it. So soon after the Israelites had gotten rid of all their idols They'd come together in serious worship after 20 years. They finally broke down and said, Samuel, pray for us, help us. We want to get right with God. They get tested right away. What are they going to do? Now they had to fully entrust themselves to the Lord. There were no idols, little trinkets to put in their pockets. They'd gotten rid of them. They were in a trash heap, they'd gone out in, in the recycling bin. They were gone. They couldn't depend on them anymore. They they were totally entrusting, had to entrust themselves to God. And how they reacted shows what they were believing. They surrendered to the Lord and they served him. They believed his promise. I just love this. They said to Samuel, verse 8, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. They were surrendering to God. They were serving the Lord. They were believing his promise. And the first thing they did was they asked Samuel to do what? To pray. Pray, pray, pray for us. As we pick up our swords and spears and whatever else they took into the battle, they said, pray for us. What a difference from 20 years ago. Do you remember how they went into battle with the Philistines 20 years before when 30,000 soldiers died? They took the ark as a good luck charm. They didn't ask anyone to pray They just got all pumped up in the locker room, excited because the ark was there, even though they had nothing to do with God. What a difference. They were broken before the Lord. They were actually following through on getting rid of the idols and surrendering to God and believing in him, and their actions showed it. Totally different feel. They faced their enemy. They were afraid, it says. Verse 8, they said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb, a young lamb, and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. What a great picture, people, for me, for us. You're going into battle tomorrow, the workplace, the school hallways, maybe it's the kitchen. (laughs) I get to go over to my office across the street and stare at the sign out front and watch the traffic and pray and think, and pretty cushy. But you guys are going out there. And you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual powers of darkness. The Philistines are coming. And we have to go out to face them without fear. So we need to pray for one another. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So pray for one another. They had Samuel praying and offering sacrifices... Congregation, people God here at Grace Chapel. We should be afraid. And we should be bold. Because our God is going with us as we prayerfully depend on him. We can't keep mustering up the courage ourselves, so we need to daily be praying that God would help us walk and serve wherever you are, wherever he has put you in a way that would please him. And we can't do it alone. We need one another. And great preaching and great teaching and fruitful ministry and willing obedience is never rooted in anything else but prayerful dependence on God. If we do it on our own, if we forget then we will begin to falter. God comes through. Verse 10, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. If you're into... God's structure. Look at chapter 2, verse 10 of 1 Samuel. Hannah introduces the thunder of God in her poem, in her song, and it picks up here. Sometimes the thunder of God is a literal storm. I remember one time when we were in seminary, Leslie and I were in a little cabin in Winona Lake, Indiana. And there was a thunderstorm, and it came over our house. There were tornado warnings. In Indiana, there's always tornado warnings when there's a thunderstorm. It's just automatic. I had never lived in anywhere like that. And we had no basement to run to, but the storm just stopped over us. And there was lightning bolt and thunder like this. Just boom, boom. And it didn't just blow over. It stopped. And it did that for two hours. We were terrified. We turned the couch over to be under it in case. It was dark. It was nighttime. We were afraid. We read Psalms to one another. Must have been like what it's like when you're in a, in a building and, and the bombs are falling. I can't imagine what that's like around you. It just didn't stop. Well, that's a wonderful picture of what God's doing here. And sometimes it's a literal thunderstorm he, he used to throw uh, the Philistines into a panic. And Mount Sinai, it said God's voice thundered so loudly that the Israelites just said, Moses, you go up, we'll stay down here. <laughs> you know, it was too terrifying. They hid in their tents turned her couches over and hid under them and read Psalms. In Numbers, it wasn't thunder. It was just the judgment of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. That was God's voice thundering about unbelief. When the ground opened up and swallowed Korah, it wasn't thunder, but there must have been a rumble, I imagine, when Korah got swallowed up and it's like, wow, God's speaking. God's voice thundered when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the spirit and they fell over dead in an instant. God's voice thunders when Jesus speaks to the seven churches in Revelation. It says, wake up. You're asleep, you're dead, you've fallen. Now the Philistines had seen God's hand 20 years earlier And 20 years later, they're still trying to go against him. Am I going against God's voice? But know this, God is always working. God is always working out his plans and purposes for us. Don't you love this? It's in a hymn, Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. The Lord, thus far, the Lord has helped us. The Lord has been with us. It's a memorial marker. It's a a reminder. And then there's a summary statement at the end of the chapter of all that Samuel did and how God was working through him and his ministry. And I'll let you read those verses later on. But I want to ask us this. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? That's quite a transition. But that's an important question. Sent from God the Father to, to deliver us from our greatest enemy? There's no other God who's able to save you. There's no other God who cared enough to come to earth to rescue you, to become weak so that you could be strong, to take away your sin. He's not asking you for payment. He's just asking you to believe. He's not asking you to to somehow appease him. He's done the work for you. Will you believe? You can only overcome life's Difficulties. You can only overcome sin and death by believing. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Who is it that overcomes the Philistines? Who is it that overcomes the sin in their lives? the evil in their lives, their wickedness. Who can change themselves? Who overcomes themselves? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus' salvation covers my past sins. He wipes away the penalty. He's already covered the sins if you come to him in faith that you haven't done yet. Think about that. Some of you are only 15 or 12 years old. you got a lot of time to do a whole lot of more sins. But God's already taken care of them. Think about the grace of God that covers our lives. It's amazing, isn't it? Salvation gives us the power to overcome sin in the present. We often fail. But the Spirit of God is living in our souls to help us, to remind us, to say, no, you don't have to do that. Come to me and find life. And one day you know he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin. No more harassment from the Philistines. The sins in our lives. It's going to be gone. Sin and death are going to die. Have you believed this? Have you surrendered? And having believed it, do you have any memorial stones? Now, I know guys who have real stones and they pull them out of their pocket and I got this stone and and it's a reminder, you know, of something God's done in their life. But let me just challenge you with this. Rehearse them. Somehow journal it. If we have no memorial stones of what, how God's delivered us in our lives, then you need to recheck if you really believe in God at all. And if you only have old memorial stones, if you're always saying, like, back in the day, then that's a sad situation, too. Because God wants to open up my eyes to see his mercies today or this past week. And if I'm not having any recent deliverance or seeing God's work at hand, it's like, do I need to recommit myself? Do I need to take inventory about my idols? Do I need to take inventory about surrendering to him? Have I really committed to him? Do I need to ask him to reveal my sins? Congregation, if we're just living in the past about what God used to do, let's ask him to open up our eyes to see what he is doing. And then maybe we will begin to see what he wants us to do. Let me just close with a a random, maybe not often looked at verse of encouragement from the book of Hosea, chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Use your words. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to those that we have made by our own hands. For in you the fatherless find compassion. And God says, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger is turned away from them. I will be like dew to Israel, and he will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. and he will send down his roots, and his young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade, and he will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine, and his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. That's what God was doing in Israel. Right now in 1 Samuel 7, he was beginning to move them to become a fragrant aroma to the nations around them. Oh, that God would do that in our lives. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's his invitation. Let's pray. Father and God, Work in my heart, our hearts together right now in a moment of quietness and remind us of how you have moved in our lives. Help us to rehearse your goodness. Oh God, you've been so good. You are so faithful your people back. You invite us to be forgiven. You invite us to flourish. You invite us to have peace. Oh, Lord, help us to see our idols and to get rid of them. Oh, Lord, open up our eyes to see how we failed and to confess our sins, to to mourn before you and, and have you raise us up, even as you were working in the Israelites' lives. Oh, Lord, let it be so in our lives, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.